Otherwise on SAFM. Thanks very much, Asanda, coming to you from a very sunny Durban where hopefully the ESCOM usage is not too high because it is so nice and warm here. And we're coming to you otherwise, coming to you live from Durban, from the ICC here, from the uh, National Conference on Orphans, Children and Youth Made Vulnerable by HIV and AIDS. Also, as you know, has been Child Protection Week, so that's what the focus has been here over the last week. It's coming to a close. I think there's been a great deal of information shared, which is what it's been all about, getting all the role players together. Just to give you a few facts to uh, put you in the, in get you the flavour of what's going on here. The theme has been changing children's and young people's lives, and I suspect that quite a lot of that's been done. And also some of the issues is that there are 630,000 double orphans in this country, 500,000 maternal orphans, 2 million paternal orphans. An increasing number of youths heading households, and over 8 million children receive child grants. 8 million children in South Africa receiving child grants. 470,000 uh, yeah, 470, receiving foster care grants and something of an issue on the issue of abuse rather. Between the years 2004 and 2013 there have been 29,305 cases of child abuse and deliberate neglect reported to the Department of Social Development. But those are the ones that have been reported. I suspect it could be considerably higher. Also important to know about this particular conference is that in the build-up to, uh, build to the event, a roadshow was held right around the country holding dialogues with the children themselves to find out exactly what their issues were, and I think that was a, a really valuable thing to do. Got an interesting lineup of guests. We're going to be talking in a minute to Lucinda Matlasele. She's Deputy Director of Research Monitoring and Evaluation at Johns Hopkins Health and Education here in South Africa. I was going to be chatting to Tembisa Shingo. She's a very inspirational young lady, a former vulnerable orphan and child herself. To Janet Dupria, who is a, a, what they described as a, a retired but not tired social worker who gave a summary of the whole conference. And last but certainly not least, hopefully we'll be talking to the Minister of, Development, uh, of Social Development herself, Minister Batabile Tamini. So that's what we have in the lineup. so do stay with us. It's Otherwise. Otherwise, on SAFM. Indeed, it is otherwise here coming to you from the ICC on the National Conference on Orphans, Children and Youth Made Vulnerable by HIV and AIDS. Well, first guest this afternoon is Lysander Matlasella. Hi, Lysander. Nice to have you with us. Hi, Nancy. Not looking too exhausted after having been here for the whole week, but certainly very inspired, I think. Now, Deputy Director of Research, Monitoring and Evaluation at Johns Hopkins Health and Education in South Africa, I think... As I understand it, you're an MPO. Your aim is to improve the health and well-being of all South Africans. And uh, you're also affiliated to Johns Hopkins University in the U.S. And interesting about your organization is I think you've been responsible for the SABC1 drama called Intersections that apparently yes. resulted in a flood of people going off to get an HIV AIDS test. So well done on that one. Thank and also from our point of view, uh, particularly of interest, is your campaign called Zazi, which I think has just been launched. Encouraging young women especially. Yeah, wonderful. Right. So, you're not directly involved with child protection. Nonetheless, you're here. On what basis? What has been your input into the conference? And Nancy, we are here, as you rightly say, we're not directly involved with uh, child protection per se, but we are here because... Obviously, we work within the sphere of HIV and AIDS, and in particular, focusing on areas of HIV prevention, you know, with the mass media uh, uh, products that we have, such as Intersections and uh, our new campaign, Zazi. But, I mean, we know that, you know, the problem with HIV and AIDS, it affects, you know, in particular young people, including orphans and vulnerable children, and um, that's basically why we are here. One, one, of the, one of the points that was made is that HIV is very often seen in a sort of the, the health context, but actually it's also a, a social context, and I think that's something that it are being brought together in a sort of a holistic way. How do you, tell us, you know, tell us how intersections, the, the drama, sort of put those two things together? What we've done with intersections is we've actually tried to make South Africans see themselves in the series, in the drama. You know, their stories are being told. And we know that, you know, it's, it's stories of sex and sexualities, stories of love, stories of trust, and basically just, you know, seeing ourselves navigating through all of these things and how, you know, in our relationships, the secrets that we keep can actually put us, you know, in danger 
or at risk of um, HIV. So that is what we've done with intersections. And as you rightly saying, you know, HIV and AIDS is not just a health issue. It's it's it it cuts it cuts across, you know, all our lives. And uh, we need to have. Um, interventions that actually look at what are the structural issues. Some of those are actually exposed in intersections. For example, we see the issue of drugs and um, vulnerability as a result of the socio-economic circumstances, in particular when we look at young women, you know, and so on. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I suppose, the, you know, the important point about, or one of the important points about this particular conference is we're talking about these young people, children who are made vulnerable by HIV and AIDS, and I think what the other point that's been made, it's very important that families families take responsibility and each and every adult needs to take responsibility because their loss is their child's loss and, and their behaviour reflects on their children. So there's a, a, an important message for everybody in this. And definitely. One of the things that I've seen you know, and heard about in this conference, in particular when we talk about HIV and AIDS and children, is the fact that you know, children are not only... It becomes an ever, an, a never-ending cycle. You know, for example, children become orphaned you know, by HIV and AIDS, and as a result of that, obviously, they become very, very vulnerable to, say, sexual predation, you know, or they, some of them are forced into situations of transsexual sex as a means of survival, and then in turn, those children themselves, you know, become at risk of HIV and AIDS. So, I mean, if we as a society don't, you know, address those issues and make sure that our children are protected, you know, we, we are just going to find ourselves in a, a never-ending cycle mm. of HIV and AIDS and orphanhood and vulnerability. So we need to break the cycle. And, and education, I think that's one of the key words that's come up again, you know, education and awareness. The talk that you gave, the presentation that you gave, was called Evidence for Social, Behavioral and Communication. Just expand mm. on that. The talk was mainly aimed at um, showing people that communication does work. You know, we don't do these things. We don't do intersections just for fun to entertain people. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're doing it to be able to make an impact in terms of awareness and education of our people. And um, it's all nice to, to talk about, you know, it's been groundbreaking, we've reached so many millions of people, but we need to give the evidence so that everybody that is actually investing, you know, our funders, and our government, etc., they can see that it works. So my um, topic was based on the results of the National Communication Survey that we conducted in uh, 2012, and it was basically aimed at showing that communication does work. There is an impact of, you know, communication. We actually looked at various programs, not just Johns Hopkins programs. We collaborated with um, uh, Love Life. We collaborated with Soul City. And we also looked at the government campaign, you know, the H- uh, HCT or HIV counseling and testing campaign. So it was a total package of looking at do these interventions actually work? And the answer is a resounding yes. The interventions work. We can see that, you know, there's increased condom use when people are exposed to communication programs. I mean, I suppose it's like it, it is advertising in a sense, you know. We need to do it on a continuous basis um, because some people would say, you know, okay, everybody knows about HIV and AIDS, you know, why don't you stop now? But the truth of the matter is that we're getting new people, you know, new young people, they need mm-hmm. to be informed. We're also getting people like maybe you and I that also need to be reminded that, you know, okay, this is what you need to do. Yeah. Know There's your no room for complacency, really, is yes, there? Yes, and yes, in definitely. terms of young people, it's becoming even easier to reach them, you know, socially. Yes. The social media just means that they, they are sitting targets. Mm-hmm. Is there, do you get any direct feedback from that? I mean, is there interaction? Do they ask a lot of questions? We've had such a wonderful reception mm-hmm. to our Intersections Facebook page. We have okay. well over 50, let's say 55,000 people that are engaged on a continuous basis. And I mean, one of the things that we've done with the Intersections Facebook page is we've, we're working with a sexologist, a, a renowned a sexologist, a Dr. Elna McIntosh, and we, we do facilitate you know, discussions on that platform. And we're getting you know, young people talking about sex and sexuality, they're talking about relationships, they're talking about HIV and AIDS. And we, we get issues that are addressed across the spectrum from heterosexual you know, relations to homosexual relations to lesbians and you know, you know, the schedule of what I very reluctantly would call 
um, corrective rape, but yeah. I don't like that term. To be honest yeah, no, no, absolutely, but it's a big but issue. It, it is a big issue, yeah. and we've actually addressed it in this series of uh, yeah. intersections. The wonderful thing about the, having a Facebook page is that people can can make contact and, and ask, have questions answered without sort of having to go to a clinic or have to go and see somebody specifically. It's, it's, it's easily done. It's easily done. I mean, it's, I think it's a revolution because mm. what we've found is that people want to talk. You know, there's this thing that, you know, sex is a big taboo subject. Nobody wants to talk about it. But, you know, on intersections, nothing is sacred, you know, because we know that that is a space that we can actually use to educate, you know, to inform and to educate our you know, people, especially young people. Especially young women, if you will forgive me pointing it out. We are a women's program, and I think that's mm-hmm. something that yes. is of particular interest. Mm-hmm. Which brings me on to Zazi, which I think is another one of your campaigns. What, what, I think, you know, another thing that came out in the, in the conference is the importance of strengthening the child from within, giving her comp- him her confidence and self-esteem, and she is more able to resist all the sorts of other things. And I think Zazi is all about empowering the youth. It, oh. it is. Um, Zazi is, is a Nguni word which means know yourself. Okay. And uh, we've built, you know, on that. And our um, uh, campaign slogan is um, know your strength. And it's a brand new campaign. And we're focusing on young women, 16 to 24, because we have seen, we know for a fact that these are the most vulnerable uh, group in our society as far as HIV and AIDS are concerned. And um, we are focusing on three key things with the campaign. We, we have a wonderful song which we've done um, with um, Zonke. And um, in addition to that, we're going to be focusing, as I was saying, three issues. One is intergenerational sex or sugar daddies, as, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. as they are called. And um, we're also focusing on contraception and HIV prevention. And uh, also the issue of gender-based violence. So this is a campaign about building strength, you know, allowing women, giving them the space again to, to be able to, to see their future, you know, in themselves, mm. not say there's a man that's going to take care of them. Am I right that yeah. it's just been launched? It's just, it's been, just it's literally on the 25th, new. it's brand new. Yes, so it's brand a little new. bit too soon to say to you, is it quantifiable? Have we seen any result? Or have you got some statistics? She um, rushes for her cell phone to get all the statistics there. <laughs> I'm rushing for my cell phone, Nancy, because I want to share with you um, something that I saw on Facebook. Mm. Um, because we, we have, we, 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 we are, what's the word that I'm looking for? I can't even remember. Give me a clue. But, but we are fly like that. Okay. okay, that's the closest I can think of. So we, we're quite active on Facebook already. Mm. You know, there's something that I saw this morning that a young woman said, this is a brand new campaign, 25th May. And she says, I love the ad and I love what it represents. Being a young woman in South Africa is tough. My life is in my hands. I'm in charge of my destiny. I'm more than capable of making a success of my life without depending on anybody but me. I'm not selling myself short. Zazi ensured me of that. Thank you, Team Zazi. This is, you know, this is a posting from this morning, and the campaign is not even seven days old. And, and you heard it on otherwise, right here on SAFM. <laughs> Gosh, yes. Isn't that, that is a very moving little line, I have to say, and doesn't that make your job all worthwhile? It does. So it if does, anybody would like to find out more, Intersections, you can go to the Intersections Facebook. Equally, you can go to the Zazi also a Facebook page? Zazi yes, as well. yes, it's called Team Zazi. Team Zazi. There yes, you go. Thank I don't think I need to spell it. <laughs> Team Zazi. Lisanda Mahasel, thank you very much. Very best of luck. And it's, I'm sure you've learned a huge amount. I know I certainly have. Yes, I have. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Okay. Lisanda Mahasel, a Deputy Director there of uh, Research, Monitoring and Evaluation at Johns Hopkins Health and Education in South Africa. Want to find out a little bit more about what they do, do check the Facebook pages. It's Intersections and Team Zazi. You're listening to Otherwise. Stay with us. The National Arts Festival in Grahamstown runs from the 27th of June to the 7th of July. The biggest festival on the continent has 3,000 performances, including the best theatre, hottest jazz, awesome dance, great music, lectures, comedy, film, performance art, exhibitions and much more. It's the place to be this winter. Book now at CompuTicket. Visit us online at www.nationalartsfestival.co.za. The National Arts Festival. 11 Days of Amazing, in partnership with SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. 
gear yourself for 22 exciting regular Friday evening appointments because Nuit for Nuit is back. We're going to rock you again with brand new music challenges, bubbling contestants, brilliant guest artists and our red out band. Kick off your shoes, phones off the hook, on with your music hats and come and sing, play and laugh along with us. See you every Friday evening at 7.30 on SABC2 for the usual fun and games associated with Nuit for Nuit. Can't wait. million children in South Africa go to school every day without shoes. Join Snoopa Friday movement in partnership with SAFM. Let's make a difference to a soul this winter by wearing a pair of flip-flops on Friday the 31st of May 2013. Purchasing a pair of flip-flops will afford an underprivileged child to own a pair of school shoes. To join the movement, go to www.flipflopfridaymovement.co.za Otherwise, on SAFM. Here and talking live in Durban from the ICC, where we're at the National uh, Conference on Orphans, Children and Youth Made Vulnerable by HIV and AIDS. Also, as it comes to a close, also Child Protection Week comes to a close, but don't forget that children need protecting all year round. Don't just wait for the one week because I think it's something we all need to take on board. Well, our next guest is probably a really critical speaker because she herself was once a vulnerable orphan child and is now a youth, but she looks rather less than vulnerable. She has very much found herself and is very, very strong within herself. She's Tambita Shinga, and she gave a very powerful account of her own journey as such, as an an orphaned uh, child and how she's risen to where she is despite a huge amount of setbacks. She's now a motivator. She started her own NPO called Faith, Hope and Love, and she's just about to release her own book, which is called Believing is Receiving. Hi, Tabitha. Lovely to have you with us. Yes, how are you? Excellent. Thanks very much. Yeah, it was really good to hear your speech, even though I couldn't understand half of it because um, you weren't speaking in English. But, <laughs> but what I did understand was um, that I think that you became an orphan. Your mum died back in 2003? Yes. How old were you then? How old are you now? Um, I don't know. I forgot. Okay. But it's, yes. But now I'm 23 years old. Okay. So you were pretty young. Yes, okay. I was pretty young. <laughs> okay. was, it, was your mum a single parent or was your father on the scene? Uh, she wasn't single. She, no, but she went, were you living with your father yes. when she died? Yes. And your father, did he die subsequently? No, he's still alive. Okay. But did you stay living with him, you and your siblings? Yes, I was, li- I was living with her, my father and my siblings. Okay. I think things got pretty tough after your mother died. Tell us what happened. <sighs> okay. I would like to greet um, our listeners for SAFM. Um, yes, life was very difficult and challenging after that because my big brother was, uh, he used to beat me when I go out to find something for my siblings to eat. And it was very hard to find something to eat and people were nagging us and giving us trouble and we couldn't find anything. We couldn't find a way to move forward because we hadn't have anything to eat and study. It was very difficult by that time. Were you the oldest daughter in the family apart from your No, brother? there was my older brother and the, yes, I was the oldest oh, daughter. Yes. So were you almost like ahead of the... Yes. Were you acting like a mother? Yes, and my father was far away. Okay, so your dad wasn't on the scene. Yes. How did you deal with your brother beating you up? Did you, who, did you, who were you able to confide in? It was very hard. It was just being humble as I am. Mm. I was so humble and be, I, was, I was so strong by that. And after that, my father decided uh, to send us to stay at a segregated children's home. And then we went there and stayed there for five years or so. And how was that? It was very nice and wonderful because I've learned to share with the other people. I've learned to love one another. I've learned to be responsible. I've learned, uh, I've learned a lot. And what I've liked uh, at Sacred Children's Home, they've gave us uh, an excellent education. Yes. Yeah, so you were one of the lucky ones in the end. You certainly weren't lucky at the beginning. But there was another young lady who spoke before you. I think her name was Tendwe. And she said... Some of the things that orphans really have to need to have, and you're talking about the education that you got when you were at the home, she said you need to give that child a dream because without having a dream, it's like a body with no soul. Yes. Um, self-confidence, spirituality, discipline, life, school, life skills, routine, programs. For you, what were the important things that you got? Okay, it's, uh, it's, it has helped me a lot. 
to stay at uh, or to be under the care of Secretary Children's Home. Um, like our manager or the ma- the the um, the, uh, the care workers taught taught me to be independent, taught me how to do house duties, uh, house chores, taught me to take care of myself. As I've told you, they gave me the best assistance in education. They taught me how to be obedient. They've also allowed me to be to interact with the outside world. Taught me how to network. They believed in me, and that boosted my self-esteem as a lot. And um, as a result, I have opened my organization, as I've told you, which is called Faith, Hope and Love, which is going to help other young people to have faith, to have hope, to love one another. And it's going to help um, our young people physically, spiritually and emotionally, as I was so depressed before. Mm -hmm. But now I want to encourage young people to move forward and um, not to look back. Their challenges are stepping stone to success. It, I, that's what I wanted to come back to, that when you were depressed, I'm just thinking you were about 13 when your mother yes. died. It's a very vulnerable stage yes. in any girl's life. You're just about to hit puberty. You know, suddenly everything yes. is, is, is feeling very different. When you were depressed, were you angry? Who, who were you blaming? I was blaming my father. Mm-hmm. Yes, because, because he wasn't there. Yes, he wasn't there. I was blaming my father a lot. And your brother? And my brother. No, I didn't. Because he was, I think he was crazy. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. But it would have been very difficult for, for you and your brother and your siblings. How many younger ones were there? Three of them. So, oh, so it was quite difficult for you to sort of sit around a round table and decide what the right thing to do yeah. was. Did you find neighbours came to help you? Who? No, everyone was like running away from us. Really? Yes, it was the hardest time of my life. Gosh, so you weren't just vulnerable, you were isolated? Yes, a lot. How did it happen that you went to the home? My father came back because he was in Devon and we're in Porchester. He came back and see the situation and he sent us to the social worker. And he left us at uh, Secretary Children's Home since uh, 2006 with my other siblings. You are living proof that there is life after being orphaned. Yes. You actually can make this happen. And yes. you've, you've not only started Faith, Hope and Love, but you've, you're just about to publish your book called Believing is, is Receiving. Yes. Is, it, is it your own story? Yes. It's, uh, yes, it is my uh, own story, and it has five chapters. The first one, it says, um, uh, first one, it's believing is receiving. The second one, uh, those are the chapters. The second one is breed in and breed out, which means for, forgive and forget. The third one is um, your challenges. Oh, I forgot that one. It says, uh, the, the, third, the fourth one, it says, um, what do you do when God seems a million miles away from your life? I forgot the other yeah, one. Yes. Yeah. But, but I bet you haven't forgotten them in your heart because you also you also do speaking. I mean, you gave a very impressive speech there. Yes. Through faith, hope, and love, do you give a lot of talks to other kids, other people who, other children? Yes. Young women in particular, in the same situation as yourself. Yes. Like for example, last year I've organised an event at Christian and Beck Stadium in Clermont. Um, as I was doing motivation from six high schools in Clermont, I did uh, that event, which encourages young people. Uh, about being uh, about uh, challenges of life to give them support and um, everything they want. Okay. You don't yet have a website and your book is not yet on the shelves, but yes. if you don't mind, I'm going to give out your email, if I yes, may. Please. And then if anybody would like to get in touch. And my number. Well, okay. Tembisa Shinga that you've been listening to, and her email is tembisa shinga at rocketmail.com. Is that right? Tembisa shinga yes. at rocketmail.com. Sure about the cell phone number? Yes, it's fine. 083-427-4530-083-427-4530-Tembisa-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very-Very
Thanks very much, Asando. Well, uh, otherwise, it is coming to you, Talking Women, and coming to you from the National Conference on Orphans, Children, and Youth Made Vulnerable by HIV and AIDS. It's also Child Protection Week. It's coming to a close, actually, on the 3rd of June only. And don't forget, as I said earlier, I think children need protecting all the year round from all sorts of things, from, from us as adults and sometimes from themselves, I think. But uh, that's, we'll get into that in just a minute. Well, also in a minute, we're going to be chatting uh, on being equal to the Minister Batabile Tamini, who put it together. She's Minister of Department uh, of Social Development and look forward to having a chat to her to see if she's pleased with what's happened over the last week. But who we have with us right now is Janet Dupria. She's with the Four Chakras Group, and she was described as being a social worker who was retired but not tired, which <laughs> and I can vouch for that. She certainly isn't looking tired. But uh, nonetheless, Janet, nice to have you with us. I think you had the toughest job of the whole conference, really, because you had to sort of summarize what it was all about. You've been here from day one, have you? Yes, I have. Thank okay, you. Okay. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Actually, before you do, tell us about Four Chakras, because you're an empowerment group, which means that you're empowering mostly adults, but in consequence, children as well. Yes, and um, assisting the de uh, Department of Social de Development with uh, development of its policies, legislation, interpreting of uh, the legislation for the layman, for practice, and so forth. So what you had to do, what you were tasked with doing was having a look at the program that's been put together and how it has or hasn't been useful. I'm sure that, you know, like with anything, there would have been flaws. Can you summarize a little for us of what you said? Yes. Um, not only putting the program together, I think um, I was part of organizing the conference mm. from uh, a couple of months ago. So I uh, have walked a long path in getting a whole host of things together. I think firstly um, we need to look at the purpose. Why did we have the conference in the first place? And um, one of the reasons was that there are many um, um, issues that confront uh, orphans and vulnerable children but um, in terms of service delivery service delivery is not standardized it uh, doesn't reach everybody in the same way um, at the uh, same depth and uh, there's a need to actually look at investing and building on the investment, especially from uh, the funding that has been received from PEPFA over the last 10 years. We need to take, the DSD specifically has to take up the challenge of continuing with those services that have been um, developed through that funding and continue so that OVCs never feel uh, or not made more marginalised. Yeah. OV, OVCs and wives. Yes, because I think the addition this year has been the inclusion of young people yes. who are possibly even more vulnerable than the Cs because everybody will look after a child, but a youth is kind of, you know, over to you, isn't it? Yes, uh, that's one of the most critical challenges that mm. we do have. Um, we used to talk about the forgotten generation, and I still think we're still forgetting them. Um, much, more has, much more emphasis and much more um, input has to be made to ensure that uh, the forgotten generation become part of because if uh, one looks to the future they are the future and uh, if one doesn't start now we are going to get that gap in not only in, um, in in business but in our whole generation we're going to have a set of youngsters or young adults who will not be able to cope uh, with the challenges when they arise now that it is pretty much over by the eating, um, uh, what amongst in your, uh, in your summary, you talked about some of the tracks, insights, and conclusions, amongst other things. Tracks, just describe the tracks, okay. meaning what? Um, the tracks were actually a, a, a framework within which people could um, send us abstracts. So if, um, if you were in track one, which was strengthening families and community-based responses, you had to send an abstract, which then, if it was accepted, you were allowed to attend the conference to present on how do you actually do that in practice. What are the models that have come forward? What are the best practices? How can you teach others or replicate your models? So if you had something that strengthened uh, families and community-based responses, um, you could come forward through an abstract. That seems to me to be such an important track because it's all very well protecting, protecting children and young people from the issues, but maybe if you can prevent the issues happening in the first place and you've got stronger families, stronger communities, they, they wouldn't need quite so much protection. Uh, track two? 
Track two was strengthening evidence-based uh, OVCY programming. You know, one of the uh, critical areas is that there is a lot going on. There's a number of programs, but we don't uh, uh, keep data on these programs. Therefore, we reinvent wheels. Uh, instead of actually seeing what works, what does not work, what are the lessons learned, how can we do it better next time, so that we start collecting our data and start programming based on scientific evidence yeah. and not from anecdotal evidence. I think that one of the uh, uh, biggest issues with us in South Africa is that we don't normally document in a very copious way to uh, ensure that the next generation, that there is a, um, a memory, an yeah. institutional memory of these programs that have worked and those that have not worked so we don't uh, um, uh, continue with bad practices. Yeah, so it's not just about putting out the fires, it's about seeing what worked to put out the fire. Factoring in, of course, the, the, you know, the idea that things change all the time. You know, we have more... Uh, we have more vulnerable children, you know, the whole the fact that you've now included youth because uh, there are more young people heading up households. I suppose, you know, one has to uh, take into account things are changing all the time. Um, prevention programs, also very important. Yes, and, and that is actually one of the key uh, um, areas or the key, one of the key tracks because that also uh, talks to how do we build resilience and reduce risk. What are those programs that will allow us to build the resilience? What will strengthen families and um, uh, uh, children specifically? Uh, if, uh, on the first day, we, we heard how children were saying, we need to be confident. Somebody has to teach us how to be confident. How do we uh, um, ensure that the values are a part and parcel of uh, children growing up? So, yes, the prevention track um, actually helps us to make sure that there are effective approaches that will build resilience. Um, the, the other one, sorry, I'm reading out your track, so I was also making mm. notes. Um, coordinated response for better outcomes. Is this to do with getting everybody together? Yes. One of the, um, it's a fundamental. Mm. If we go in in sporadic uh, um, intervals into communities we confuse communities but also when we uh, 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 don't coordinate we duplicate and that is also a waste of resources uh, but OVCY is uh, or the challenges that affect OVCYs are cross-cutting mm -hmm. and therefore there needs to be a coordinated response not only from government the different spheres of government the NGO sector the private sector they play a big role in ensuring that uh, funds are made available especially to the NPOs to continue the good work but it cannot be uncoordinated and it's only when uh, uh, services are coordinated you see the success of, a, um, of, the, of the synergy but also you see the, the um, the multi-sectoral complexity becoming actually much easier to manage. It's easy to manage here because everybody literally is under, under one roof, one umbrella has, has been the sort of the logo. It's bringing all the role players and the stakeholders, including the children, all together. However, all good conferences come to an end and everybody goes off and, you know, sort of goes their different ways. How, um, is there any sort of mechanism whereby people can keep in touch? Uh, yes, there because is there's been a lot of networking. Yes, there is. There's an organising mechanism uh, called NACA, which was brought uh, uh, to the fore. Actually, started with the 2002 conference, and that is the organising co uh, committee or structure that government has put together, where people, all the role players that are here today actually attend meetings on a quarterly basis and sometimes working meetings on a monthly basis. So whatever has come out from this conference, they, they are uh, turned into uh, to resolutions. Those resolutions are turned into action plans and people then actually are given tasks to implement that action plan. The next conference must actually report back on what has been achieved, what hasn't been achieved and the reasons why. The, the, the longest collection of what you talked about, which I thought was really interesting, were the insights. You know, what have we learned throughout the whole program? And you must have been very busy making notes about, you know, sound bites of what this is. That was a good, uh, good thing that worked. 
Um, the first of which was children need psychosocial support. We spoke to a young lady here, you heard her yourself, Tempita, who was talking about um, when she was in this really difficult situation, uh, the awful thing was that the community disappeared. Nobody was there to support her. They just, they, they just sort of left them, the whole family in pieces. Is that what you mean by psychosocial support, getting community support? But also, psychosocial support is broader than that. Mm. It's actually ensuring that um, there are ma- there's material support as well as emotional support. And um, I think the, the, the aim that I was uh, trying to get across, or the um, principle, was that we, we, we quick to do the material support because it's visible. But the invisible support, which is the emotional uh, support, we fail. We don't always give children that emotional support. Hence, they are, um, do not cope very well at school. Their self-confidence is, is dented. Because in, in some cases, they have not got over the uh, trauma of losing a parent. And uh, when we talk about psychosocial support, we're including everything yeah. to make them less vulnerable. And I suppose it's got to be the right sort of support too. It's got to be educated or informed or learned support because, you know, wrong support can be do more harm than good. And as a social worker yourself, retired, not tired, I think one of the points that you made is that there's a need for training of more social workers on all different levels. Yes, not only social workers but social service practitioners uh, to ensure that um, more... There's more resources within communities um, and to ensure that uh, the counselling that needs to take place that will help children get over the trauma is accessible. Because if we don't, uh, uh, access to services is a great issue. But if we don't, we rely so much on human resources. But if we don't have that core of trained people, we can do more damage because children will not access the service. And I suppose sometimes people need to be trained to be parents. Um, foster, <laughs> foster parents need to be trained uh, or they need to come forward, but parents themselves sometimes need help just to know what to do. Yes, and uh, given our uh, current situation of where our parents are getting younger and younger mm. and they are children themselves, um, we, we have to um, increase the input into parents the input into relationships, into strengthening relationships, strengthening families, and um, so that, that not only the parents but the children can actually support one another, but also support uh, the families, the parents themselves. One of the children actually said, please teach our children how to parent. We don't want to go anywhere. We just want them to learn how to better parent us. And children also need to learn how to play um, because another point that you made was that children need to have space to be children because very soon, uh, if a child is in the same situation that Tembisa was in, suddenly you become an adult before you've been a kid. Uh, Who takes responsibility for that? Well, that's part of the psychosocial programs Mm -hmm. that we're talking about. And um, social workers, uh, communities must create that space to play. But there must be also the enabling environment they must, the government must also provide the enabling environment so there is space to play. Uh, we tend to forget uh, that children's development stages are assisted through play. And uh, we need to make sure that, that that opportunity is created again. In conclusion, which is always a difficult thing because it, there's no conclusion to be made because it's ongoing, isn't it? Um, one point that you feel has really come out very strongly from the conference has been what? Um, can I make two points? Oh, you make as many as you like. The first is that um, children, services need to be directed at children. Mm. We have the tendency to direct services to adults. We need to direct them directly to children. But children themselves must have a role in planning what type of services those are. Because I think they, we are recognizing their right to participate, which is part of the Children's Act. The second aspect is that the, the, co- the coordination is critical. And if we don't, as government don't do anything about coordinating that, the leadership is there. And there should be the political will and administrative will to actually ensure that coordination is, uh, is in place. The Minister herself is just arriving, so I'm going to wrap it up. Wrap it up. But um, do you feel hopeful, Janet? Oh, yes, I do feel mm. hopeful. Um, every little step 
is a step in the right direction. Um, every little encouragement and also just uh, ensuring that conferences such as these take place more regularly mm. and that there's a platform to dialogue. Is there anywhere that one can, is there a website that one can look at to see the outcomes? Yes, there is. And it's, do you know what it is? I tell you what, while you're looking for it, yeah. what we're going to do is invite the minister to join us. Janet, we're going to find that, that uh, website in just a minute. Thank you so much, Janet Dupria. She is a retired but not tired social worker. She's with the Four Chakras Group. And you're listening to Otherwise uh, Talking Women coming to you from the International Convention Centre here in Durban talking about the, uh, the conference that's been held, the conference on orphans, children and youth made vulnerable by HIV and AIDS and also Child Protection Week, which has round up. Very pleased to have the Minister with us herself and I'm sure she's feeling completely exhausted because it's been a long week but a very uh, important week. She's Minister of uh, Department of Social Development, Minister Batabile Dlamini. Lovely to have you with us. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Nancy. Yeah, as I pointed out, I'm sure you're very tired, but are you pleased? What was your objective and what have you achieved, do you think? Um, I'm very much pleased. We've achieved a number of um, things. The understanding of the importance of partnership between uh, civil society organizations, the departments, their uh, interaction, um, NGOs, NPOs, parents and uh, communities. What, what do you feel, um, I imagine perhaps there are some frustrations as well, what did you feel that there perhaps wasn't time to address properly or that maybe you would put on the agenda for next time? I, I think the issues that uh, we thought uh, should be addressed are the issues that have to do with legislation and uh, some of the regulations and also to to create a new cadre of social work, but also trying to teach social workers to work with uh, communities because there is no way that uh, all social workers are going to be able to reach out to all the communities because, uh, for instance, the National Development Plan says if we want to be able to deal with the issues uh, of psychosocial uh, issues, issues uh, of social cohesion, issues uh, of uh, support uh, to children, older persons, people with disabilities, and the number of uh, other areas we deal with. We need 66,000 social workers. And right now, social workers are still uh, studying. So what we need to do is to strengthen community-based uh, workers and give them uh, basic skills because they are there with communities on a, base, uh, on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. That is one uh, issue we identified. Uh, delegates also raised that we need uh, to follow up on the issues of violence against uh, children, the issues of pornography. We need uh, to be strong on them and the social network and the accessibility of social development to communities because uh, there is still a structural backlog that was left by uh, the apartheid government which, is, which was systemic and the way of changing that is to be able to be with communities communities don't have to pay uh, money to access a social development. Yeah. They need to have uh, our offices where they are. Do you think the department is winning the battle um, since the last conference, which was some years ago? The figures have certainly risen. That, you know, there's been uh, X amount of cases of child abuse and deliberate neglect against children. We have more orphans than we've ever had before. Obviously, the population is growing. But nonetheless, the problem seems to be worsening. Do, do you feel optimistic that we are winning the case, winning the battle? I feel very optimistic. For instance, if you look at uh, the statistics that have been released uh, by the Department of Health, the transmission of mother to child has gone down, which says that uh, we are going to focus uh, more on the children that uh, are often vulnerable as uh, well as the youth right now and uh, 
the others uh, that will be coming up will just be needing a care from us, uh, but they won't be uh, HIV positive because of also the what the government has instilled in communities, testing uh, and also trying to ensure that uh, parents uh, follow women, more particularly women. Yeah. And we must thank women uh, for being uh, able to ensure that they test when they are pregnant and also ensuring that uh, they take a proper medication so as to give a birth uh, to uh, children without uh, HIV and AIDS. Yeah. Minister, we are out of time. The situation is, is, is not going away, but hopefully we can talk to you again another day and uh, find out things are progressing. Thank you very much for your time. Congratulations on the conference. Thank you, Thank Nancy. You. Thank you very much. Minister Batabile Dlamini, she's Minister of uh, Social Development, and uh, it's been a really interesting conference, and hopefully all good things will come out of it, and we look forward to the next one. Thanks very much, team. That's Sinvisa uh, and uh, Kim Winter, and we will be back again uh, next... Well, we'll be back again tomorrow, in fact, coming to you from Cape Town. But right now has been otherwise up next shop shop the children's program shop shop children's program on SFM with Leon Fisser and it is shop shop it's shop shop from the Story time, everyone. Gather around, kids. Derek was a new duckling. He lived with his family by the big pond. Mr. and Mrs. Duck were proud of their ducklings. Every morning they took them for a long walk. It was a long dry spring that year. But at last it rained. And that's when the trouble started. Mrs. Duck was excited to see the rain. She lifted her wings carefully and woke the ducklings. Look, children, she said. It's a lovely wet day. The ducklings rubbed the sleep from their eyes. Is that the rain you told us about, Mom? They asked, beeping with excitement. Yes, indeed, she said. Now hurry in a line. Your father's ready to go. Let's proceed, cried Mr. Duck. And the duck family set off in a long line. But Derek lagged behind. What is it, dear? asked Mother gently. Don't like it, said Derek in a small voice. Don't like the rain. My toes feel tickly. Make sure toes feel tickly, cried Derek's father. Who ever heard of a duckling with tickly toes? Mrs. Duck didn't shout. That evening she paid a visit to old Ma Goat. Ma Goat kept the shop, and she sold almost everything you can think of. Mrs. Duck was in luck. Ma Goat had some gumboots, just the right size for Derek. Next time it rained, Mrs. Duck gave Derek the gumboots. Let us depart, cried Mr. Duck. How's that, Derek? asked Mrs. Duck gently. Still don't like it, whispered Derek. Messes up my feathers and spoils my hair. Spoils your hair, cried Derek's father. He was very upset to have a child who was worried about his hair. Mrs. Duck went back to old Margot. What luck! Margot had a smart cape and a hood, just the right size for Derek. Next time it rained, the duck family shouted cheerfully, Hurry up, Derek, put on your cape and gumboots. How's that, dear? asked Mother Duck. It's lovely, Mom, replied Derek. Suddenly he saw a huge rainbow. What's that? he asked. 
That, my boy, said his father, is a rainbow. A rainbow comes when the sun tries to shine through the rain. It's beautiful, said Derek, gazing up at the bright colors. Then he looked around in wonder. Everything sparkled in the rain. After that, Derek wanted it to rain every day. He didn't always see a rainbow, though, but he loved exploring in the rain. And sometimes he was in such a hurry to get started that he even forgot to put on his cape or his wellingtons. And that story is called The Duck Who Didn't Like Rain by Joan Stimson. And if you've got some gumboots close by, put them on and let's do some dancing. Sharp Sharp and there'll be more Sharp Sharp Children's Programme right here on SAFM tomorrow around about the same time. And there'll be more otherwise uh, coming to you from Cape Town just for a change tomorrow as well. And just if you're a smoker, a bit of a heads up this one. We're going to be talking about, I think it's No Tobacco Day or No Smoking Day or Quitting Smoking Day. And we are going to be talking about that very thing. We're going to be talking to a lady who's been through the pain and she has indeed given up. And we're going to be hearing how you can do it better. So join us for all that and more. And don't forget, if you'd like to be in touch with us, at otherwise tell us your story. Uh, tell us about somebody whose story you think is really important, a woman who you think has a real story to tell with a place on which to share it. It's otherwise at safm.co.za. Otherwise, find us on Facebook. It's uh, otherwise on SAFM. And don't forget the Enviro Show coming to you from Cape Town this evening. That's between uh, 9 and 10. And we're going to be talking about the connection between poverty reduction and climate change. And there are some very, very big connections there. So do join us for that. Thanks very much to the team, uh, Stenbisa and Kim, and I'm Nancy Richards. And up next, it's time for Ashraf Garda with Afternoon Talk. But right now, 2 o'clock, time for the news with Asanda Matsunyani.